Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're continuing to learn Masechtas Ksubos, Perek Dalid, Mishnah Beis, and Mishnah Gimel. We have been discussing the concept that a, the money owed, that a daughter owns or is owed really belongs to her father when she's still a katana. The case is as follows. Hamaras is beat with the Garsha. A girl is betrothed, as we know, a girl, a father is allowed to betroth his girl when she's under the age of, um, when she's still a katana. So he betrothes her, and then she gets divorced before there's nisuin, before there's an actual finishing of the marriage. Arusim is alma, or and then she's betrothed and she gets and she's widowed before nisuin. Okay, so first time she's betrothed, they do this engagement, halachic engagement. Then she gets a get. Second time she's then, then betrothed again, and she, her her husband dies. She's widowed. Ksuba shalah, the ksuba payment from each of these marriages belonged to her father. Why? Because she never left her father's. Possession, she's still always in her father's rishos because she never was fully married. However, he is a Grisha. However, she's fully married. Her father fully marries her off when she's a katana, and then she gets divorced. And then she's fully married and she's widowed a second time. So all this is taking place when she's still a katana or a nara. Ksubasa Shalah, the Ksuba belongs to her. Why? Because once she has full fledged nisu and full fledged marriage, so then she's leaves the jurisdiction of her father, and he's therefore he's no longer entitled to any income that comes from her. Rehuda disagrees. Rehuda says no. Rehuda says, The first ksuba belongs to her father. Why? Because when is the ksuba given? Yeah, after her marriage dissolved. But when is it written? It's written prior to her first marriage. I mean, to say, when she, before she entered into her first marriage, we wrote a document that said, if the marriage ends, she's owed money. She's still, therefore, in her father's jurisdiction, so the ksuba belongs to her father. Now, the second marriage, she's no longer in her father's jurisdiction because once she's fully married, fully married even if she, the marriage dissolves, she's now on her own, and therefore she can collect her second ksuba. Come along the sage and say, no, I'm a love, she's easy, No, they say, once she becomes fully married, she leaves her father's jurisdiction, and we don't care when the ksuba was written, we care when it's being paid out. Okay. Mishnah Gimel, a little background. The, the, the uh, Torah tells us in Devarim that there are the laws of Moti Shemra, the slanderer. Now, there is the Moti Shemra that we shouldn't talk, slander our fellow Jews. Very bad. There's an additional Moti Shemra, the technical one that comes up in the, when the, when the, where the word technically used in the verse, and that is as follows. A man betroths a woman, and then on their marriage, when they get married from the Suin, he, say, he, says, he claims in court, She's not a virgin. And he says that some time between the time that I betrothed her and the time we ended the suing, she committed adultery. And this is, again, it's adultery. This is not a, a modern-day engagement. This is a halachic engagement. So much so, as we mentioned in the previous Mishnah, you need to get to dissolve it. And if it, the marriage ends through death or divorce, there's a kasuba that's paid out. So he claims somewhere in between the time I betrothed her and the time we consummated this marriage, she, she, she had committed adultery. Now, what happens? He brings witnesses that testify that she indeed committed adultery. So, in that case, and then we find out those witnesses were lying. Somehow we're, we find out they're lying. So, now the husband, A, he receives lashes, Malchus, for slandering his wife, and he must pay a fine of 100 cello. Okay, that goes to her father. What happens, however, if the witnesses are indeed telling the truth? So, she receives skilo, which is stoning, the crime for adultery, and... The special din here is we do it at the entrance of her father's house. Okay, so this is all the Torah. If she commits adultery and it's between the Arisin and the Suin, she's sto- and if witnesses that say so, she's stoned at the, at the at her father's house. And if the guy lies, lying about it, he gets lashes and he has to pay a fine. Okay, says our Mishnah, this is all when it has, we're dealing with a full-fledged woman born, to, born Jewish. 
But if she's not born Jewish, and this is all learned out of the Psukim, Had Yorish and Bito Imo, a female converts and converts with her daughter, and then this daughter is the one who uh, the whole story takes place with. Vizinsa and this daughter then commits adultery between the Arisin and the Suin, between the engagement and the marriage. Haris Bechenek, she gets strangulation, which is a less severe form of punishment. And ain la lo and it passes base of it, and it doesn't take place at the entrance of her father's house. Flo mea and in the event that these witnesses were found lying, and, and this guy lied in Dimoti Shemra, he does not pay the hundred sela. Meaning to say, the this law of special din of stoning by the father's house, if she's guilty, or the husband paying the fine if he's lying, is only to a Narabasula that was born a Jewess. Okay. What happens if she was conceived? not in sanctity, i.e. her mother converted when she was pregnant with her, so she was born in sanctity, but conceived not in sanctity. Harizabeskila, she gets stoning, again, because that's what an ordinary Jewess would get for adultery. But ain't low pestle based of you, but she's not executed by their father's house. If alone maya sella. And the, if the guy's lying, then he uh, does not pay the 100 sella. Haisa harusa, the ladies of the Kedusha, if everything was done in sanctity, as in the mother's the convert, harizet kebas, yisrael over. she's like a full-fledged Jewess in every respect, and therefore, again, if the guy's lying, he gets lashes and pays a hundred. If he's not lying, so she gets stoned by her father's house. Okay, lastly, what happens if she has a father but does not have an entrance to his house, as in he doesn't own his own his own home? He's a nomad, I don't know, or he just doesn't own his own home. Or she's an orphan, she doesn't have a father, even though he, there is a house that belonged to her father. She still gets put to death with stoning, so because the Torah only requires the entrance of a father's house as a mitzvah, but it's not a necessary precondition in order to allow this penalty to go forth. I wish you all a wonderful day.